Hey there, Brittany here. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about a special online mini training that I'm offering for free for a limited time. It's called Peace, Love, Stepmom. And not to toot my own horn, but beep beep, it's pretty freaking awesome. Peace Love Stepmom will give you the exact steps to take in order to create more harmony in your stepfamily without feeling like you have to walk on eggshells or bite your tongue or ignore your own needs just to keep the peace. Because if you are listening to this, then chances are pretty good that you know there's a big difference between not fighting and actually feeling peaceful. To enroll in Peace Love Stepmom and get immediate access to this incredible online course, head to peacelovestepmom.com and sign up. It's totally free. You don't want to miss it. So go to peacelovestepmom.com to enroll and get immediate access. Now on with the show. Where would you take your life if you knew you could not fail. I get it. As a stepmom, mom, and entrepreneur, sometimes it can feel like what everyone else expects of you versus what you dream about for yourself are on opposite ends of the spectrum. As a woman, you're taught from a very young age what society thinks you're worth based on how you look, how you behave, and how much money you're allowed to bring in. But I'm here to show you that you can be the woman who has it all, and not just on the outside. I'm Brittany Lynch, and you are the queen of your castle. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Queen of Your Castle podcast. I am your host, Brittany Lynch, and I have a special guest here to talk to you about something that is such a fire in my soul, something that is such an important conversation that we are not having enough. And I know that I have had several audience members reaching out to me and saying, Brittany, what's your take on this? What what is the truth about this? Should I be doing this? Should I not be doing this? So I'm going to allow the experts to weigh in and you're going to find out what it is really quick. What is this? You will find out. On the show today, we have Camille Kinsler and Camille helps women who have a specific relationship to alcohol develop a different relationship with alcohol. And I think you're going to find out, you might be wondering like, what is she helping me quit drinking? Do I need to get sober? I think we're going to probably have a conversation about all of the words and all of the language and everything. So before you close off this episode, before you say, I don't have a drinking problem, I don't need to listen to this. I would really invite you to just keep an open mind Put your butt, put your earbuds in and and listen to this conversation. Uh, I think it's a really important conversation, like I said, and and we're just frankly not not having it enough. So, Camille, thank you so much for being here to talk to our audience. I am honored and humbled that you are here to share this message with the women I love the most in the whole entire world. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Who are you? Where do you live? Who's a part of your family? And how do you share your gifts with the world? 
Thank you so much. It's so fun to be here and sharing with your community of lovely women. Uh, I'm Camille Kinsler. I live in Austin, Texas. I'm actually a special unicorn. I was born and raised here, which you don't find a lot of us. Uh, I live with my husband and our two boys, a five-year-old and a nine-year-old. And yeah, what I love to do is, um, really interestingly, is I transitioned from working as a physician assistant, which is a, a medical provider in the States. It's similar to um, a doctor in the sense that we treat and diagnose illness. And I actually transitioned from that into full-time coaching. My passion project became more of my mission project. And that is to help the woman who wakes up at 3 a.m. saying, oh, I shouldn't have had that last glass of wine again, really unravel their relationship with alcohol to live a life within their control. So amazing. Let me ask you, were you that woman who woke up at 3 a.m. and said, oh, I should not have had that last glass of wine again? Because I sure, because I sure was. It was usually the morning after. I'm like, fuck, why did I do that again? Right? Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What we do, right? We, we teach what we've learned ourselves. That's, that's one of our greatest gifts that we can give to the world. And yeah, I, about three and a half years ago, um, I had that last mo that last morning where I woke up and I was like, seriously, again? And this time I was on the on a boat for my 40th birthday with a bunch of my girlfriends, well, actually guy friends and girlfriends, and um, celebrating. And so I was in this crystal blue water in the Caribbean and I was hungover and I just couldn't believe it. I was like, I'm with the most loveliest people. I'm having the time of my life, but I'm not really because I'm looking at the horizon, trying not to throw up. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and so I said, you know, this is it. I'm going to do one thing that I haven't done before, which is solely remove alcohol and not make it part of some sort of diet. <laughs> uh, you know, the green juice and the no sugar and gluten and all of this. I was just going to remove alcohol. And I did that and I, and I said, I'm going to do it for a hundred days instead of the seven or the 30 days to prove to myself, I don't have a problem. And then after about six weeks in, I just woke up and I was like, holy crap, why aren't more people talking about how, I mean, this is going to seem a little silly to say, but how sedating it is and how like it was, I was always on the start and stop, you know, I would have a really protective week and then the weekend would come and I would celebrate with wine with my husband or beer or whatever. And then it felt like every, every Monday I was just drudging through it again, Speci especially with kids. Right. So I always say that like the more kids I have, the more I drink. And luckily I only had two um, because then it started becoming something I was bringing home into the house and it became more than just a weekend thing. It became a way that I delineated my time and the time with the kids. So it became my special reward and it changed then. It changed when it became sort of my special thing that I didn't want anybody to take away. Mm -hmm. um, so good. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, there's, there's so many things. There's so many things that I want to unpack, but specifically the part that stands out to me the most is when you, when you said that it's so sedating. And I think that historically, if we look back over mommy culture, there's always been kind of a trend of moms needing to sedate themselves because 
of various reasons, mainly being that women are not supported in taking solitude. Women are not supported in their mental health. Like, I'm sorry, but having a fucking shower is not self-care, right? Like that's that's basic hygiene. That shouldn't be something that you have to fight for is having a shower. Um, and and yes, women who are listening, I know that you are primarily stepmothers, but stepmoms are not immune from mommy wine culture either. And the fact of the matter is that, yes, reaching to a glass of wine is a very easy way to take the edge off. Having another whatever the cool thing is right now, white claws, the thing that I'm seeing all the time. That's a very easy way to kind of get that. Like, I remember that. I remember craving that, that, that feeling. I would be so agitated from a day of taking care of kids and dealing with my step family issues that I felt like the only way I could calm down and relax was by putting a substance in my body. Now, can you kind of talk about, because I know, I know- people have this fear of if I quit drinking, that means I'm an alcoholic. If I quit drinking, what like I for a long time, I had this story. This is going to sound so silly. It does now. But I had this story that if I was to quit drinking when I go to Europe, which, by the way, isn't planned or scheduled when I go when I quit drinking, when I go to Europe, there's going to be a fountain full of wine that I'm not going to be able to drink from. This was a story that prevented me from just breaking up with alcohol. And it's it's just it's the things that our mind tells us to keep us doing what we do and keep us safe with what we know is is so silly. So I'm sure I just asked you about a thousand questions. So I'm just going to get you to going to get you to weigh in. This is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, so, uh, so it is for, let me, let, let me see where I want to um, start with this as well. Um, about mommy wine culture and really, uh, using wine as a way to insta chill. It is exactly that, right? It's quick. We can grab it. We can have our glass and then immediately puts us in that state of like, oh, okay, now I know this is my time to relax. Now, the thing is, is that typically that sensation and feeling only lasts about five minutes before either you're really tired and you don't want to do anything else or you get quote unquote thirsty and then want the next glass or two. And then after that, then it just becomes kind of a blur of the evening. Not saying that you necessarily black out or any of that. It just becomes you're less present. You're someplace else. And, um, and the thing is, is like, is being a bonus mom or being, um, you know, having a, having a, you know, a baby, um, fly out of you, you're not prepared for it. And so what happens is, is that no matter what, you can do all of the researching and reading, but until you actually have another being in your house and you, you won't actually know what to expect and how to do it. And then life just takes off. Then all of a sudden you're a parent and, um, and, and life, life is just, is going and you're not in really in control of that anymore. So I have to just, just take a second to say, it's not anybody's fault that we go to vices and this could be really anything. It could be zoning out on our phones. It could be overeating. It could be our stash of chocolate or, or sugar that we have. I mean, that's our way to, um, to protect ourselves in some way. And it also is our greatest gift once we can recognize that we're protecting ourselves from what? 
And that's really the question to ask is, do I have a drinking problem or do I have a problem with sugar or do I have a problem with whatever is more of, is this thing serving me? And I'm going to repeat that is alcohol serving me or is sugar serving me or overeating serving me to get to that, that highest place, the place I really want to go. And I feel like what happens is we forget or we don't really know where we want to go. And so really taking a step back and saying, who do I want to be in this world? You know, what is my ultimate destination? Because if we don't ask that, then life is just going to go. Life is just going to like take off without us and we're going to be running after it. And, and I think that that's, this is such an important distinction that like, the, it's such a, it's so, such a small distinction, but such an important distinction. One of my favorite analogies is like the way that most people live their lives is like, if you got into a taxi and the taxi driver said, where do you want to go? And you say, I don't know, but don't take me to the airport. Right. I know I don't want to go to the airport. And he's like, okay, well, where do you want to go? I don't know. Just not to the airport. And for a long time and for a lot of people, that kind of is the way that I know I personally am making assumptions that everybody else thinks this way. But I've met a lot of people who have been this way. We know where we don't want to go. We know I don't want to wake up hungover. We know I don't want to be so stressed. We know I don't want to feel this way. But that is becomes the question is, where do you want to go? And when you know that, it's so much easier to decide, do my values support this? Do my habits support this? Am I just waking up every day waiting for bedtime or am I going somewhere? Right. So so thank you for for bringing that up, because. And, and and also removing the shame from it. I know that there was a lot of shame with my drinking um, for a long time because I was like, I should know better than this. I do know better than this. Right. And yeah. and and it's not like you said, it's not about being wrong. It's not about being bad. You're not unhealthy. You're not judgments. Right. We get to remove these judgment labels and just say, I love myself enough to set my life up in a way that I'm going to do what it takes to feel the best that I can every single day. It's funny. I'm looking at your skin right now and you're, you're like glowing. Your skin is just glowing. And that is honestly, it's kind of like, uh, it's like radar for me to pick out people who don't drink alcohol is this glow is the way that skin looks once we remove alcohol from our bodies, because sure, it feels good. Yes. Great. Wine tastes great. Right. Like, yes, we love we I would I would argue you and I love wine. We still love wine. We just choose not to have it. But the benefits right? The benefits are so, so, so much better once you kind of get over that hump. Can you talk about what that process looks like? Can you talk about kind of if there's like a pattern or uh, from the moment I say, okay, I'm going to quit for more. I'm not going to drink alcohol for not seven days, right? I'm going to see what, what this looks like kind of longer term. What's your clients kind of go through as a, as a path, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So the sober glow, um, is what it's actually called. And, and 
when you get the benefit of the sober glow, it actually starts pretty quickly. You'll notice that within a couple of weeks, within two to three weeks, and the bloating subsides. And I'm not talking about for women who are drinking three bottles of wine a night. I'm talking about, you know, for women who were drinking a couple of bottles of wine uh, a week, because it is a toxin still, right? It, we have to process it through our bodies, just like any drug that we put in our body. Um, it has to go through the liver and, you know, it, it's excreted through our skin and our, you know, all of the stuff. And, um, and so as soon as we let our bodies do its job of repairing, then we'll notice not only does our skin look brighter, our eyes look brighter. I mean, people notice, they'll say, God, you look really well rested. And that's another uh, myth that people have is I need to drink to sleep. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just need that glass of wine to go to sleep when in reality, even one glass of wine disrupts our sleeping patterns. And so we're really not getting that reparative sleep. And um, yeah, and so, you know, your friends will notice immediately that you're, that you look brighter and healthier. Um, you'll lose some of that just bloat that, that, um, that alcohol causes. And then usually within the first month, you're really retraining yourself about how to, how to live without that vice, because we get so used to drinking as an ex exclamation to everything, or at least I did. It was, um, I'm having a great day. Let's celebrate with wine. I'm having a bad day. Let's celebrate with wine. Um, it's a date night, wine. I mean, it was, everything was sort of exclamated by wine. And so usually within that first month, you're really finding new patterns and new habits and new behaviors to implement, to put into your life. And then that second uh, 30 days, that second month is when you start getting into the groove. You're like, oh, I get this. It doesn't mean you're not going to say, I really love my wine, but you get to say, I actually don't have to drink and be hungover the next day, right? It's reframing. Because um, if we sit there and say, uh, I don't want to go to the airport. What we're going to do is we're, we might not be at the airport, but we're going to constantly go just go around the roundabout, right? We're going to be circling the airport. And it's the same with, um, I can't, I can't have my wine with my friends tonight. Then we're circling the airport. Versus if we say, you know, I, I'm so glad I actually don't have to have a hangover tomorrow. Then we're going somewhere. Then we're getting closer to that, whatever that destination is. Um, and so that's usually what happens within that second month. And then the third month is really where you're like, oh man, I'm feeling so awesome. I have a superpower. My superpower is I don't have to drink. And then the whole world opens up because you're like, what else? You know, what else? I have so much more time because I'm not drinking in the evenings or I'm not hungover in the morning. You want to wake up early. Um, and then that's where you, you know, that's where life really truly just changes and evolves really rapidly. And I, and I want to go back to something about the problem with drinking versus, versus do I have a problem with drinking versus if it, is it serving me for a second? Because, um, because what happens is, is that once you think to yourself, I wonder if alcohol is serving me, let's say. Then what we do, human nature, is we pick up all these books and we listen to all these podcasts. And then we immediately say, like you said at the beginning of this podcast, we immediately cross our names off the list, right? We're like, oh no, that's not me. <laughs> oh, I don't you know, drink in the morning or I never hide it or I don't have little bottles in my purse. I always tell people like, I, my story is not memoir worthy, right? You'll never find my name in a memoir because that wasn't me. 
but I knew I was tired. I was exhausted. I didn't even really know who I was anymore. Um, and part of that is mom, mom life taking off and, and going. And then the other part was, is I, I was, um, emotionally stunting myself, if you will, by, by, by drinking. And so it's really like taking a step back and looking at that one thing. And again, it might not be alcohol for you, but looking at that one thing that you, um, that you keep going back for, or you keep going back to that kind of keeps you safe. And, and, and one of, for those of you who are listening and have never heard me speak about this before, and for Camille, I'll bring you up to date. The method that I use uh, within your stepmom story, which is my flagship program, community program, the method that I've developed over the years is called the steps method. The steps method will bring you peace, right? As a stepmom. Now, each of those letters stands for something and the P and the steps stands for presence. And you had kind of touched on that earlier that alcohol makes you less present Mm. and scrolling through Netflix or scrolling through Instagram 10 hours a day makes you less present. Can you speak about that? Can you speak about why we tend to want to escape the present moment and rather than reaching to a glass of wine or whatever drink of choice, what, what should we do instead? Yeah. So we actually first have to recognize that we're in, um, in a state or in a, you know, an, an emotional feeling that we're, that we don't like, right? So it's getting very curious and courageous and saying, you know, what's going on? Why am I feeling like I need to reach for a glass of wine? And then naming it, you know, I'm feeling tense in my jaw or tense in my shoulders and my back. Um, what, and then what's going on in my head? Am I, you know, ruminating about something or worrying about something? Is there anything that I can do about that thing I'm thinking about or worrying about right now? If not, how can I release it? And then how can I change this feeling in my body? Because usually it's that, I think that they say it's like a quarter of a second between, um, between a thought and a reaction. So if we can actually learn to extend that out to where it's more like a minute or two or an hour before we react, our whole lives will change first off. <laughs> uh, we'll have better communication with our, with our uh, kiddos and our, and our partners and whomever. Um, but then also we can make healthier choices. So it's really recognizing like how you're feeling and carrying that tension in your body. Your body tells you a lot. And, um, and then trying to figure out, uh, I actually heard this recently. It's so good. So usually when we're in this, um, this, this, uh, fight or flight mode where you can picture yourself more like you're in a horror movie, right? It's all like maybe dark and black and white and the music's all creepy. Um, and then when we're in this more of a green state where we're feeling in, uh, when we're feeling happier and more relaxed then it's more like you know a disney movie right so the music is brighter and the music is going and so when you're in the state you're like oh the horror movie then picture what it would feel like in the disney movie 
and if it doesn't have it can be Pixar or whatever your choices <laughs> um you know something that's a that, that's more of a feel good so you can actually do a visualization before you're ever in that state what does that feel like how does that feel like in my body and what would this feel like in my body and then see if you can change that and then maybe it is that you still reach for your glass of wine, but it's all about practice. I always say, don't take away your vice and leave yourself totally naked when you haven't started doing the work towards um, filling that with something else. So it's all about sort of practicing, um, uh, maybe extending that need for the wine. Maybe it's usually at six. Maybe you try and see if you can make it until seven and see how that feels. See what else you can put um, in that hour. So I think that's the biggest thing is that we forget that our minds and our bodies are connected and that we need to recognize that our bodies are telling us something, reaching for the wine is telling us something. What is that? And it's individual for each person. Mm -hmm. So good. So, so, so good. This is so important. I wish that I had heard this podcast a very long time, <laughs> a very long time ago, um, because I love the way that you approach it in in a way of there's just a lot of compassion and there's a lot of love and there's a lot of gentleness um, because that's that's what we need. Right. If we if we feel like our only solution is to reach to something to numb us out like alcohol we don't need someone telling us we're doing something wrong. We don't need to be told that we're failing as mothers. We don't need to be told that we're bad. We need someone to be like, hey, I freaking get it. Being a mom is hard. Being a stepmom is hard. Your body is telling you something. It's overloaded. It's okay. You're not supposed to know how to do this. There is a different way and you have that option. Right. And, and I love especially what you said about how don't leave yourself, don't take away your vice and then leave yourself naked, because I think that a lot of people get hung up in that. They're like, OK, well, I'll stop drinking and I won't do it. And then day three rolls around and you want to rip your hair out and you're like, I don't know, I can't do it without it. Right. And then you're like, oh, I tried that once. It doesn't work for me. So even those little tiny, those tiny steps. Another one of my favorite analogies is what's the best way to eat an elephant? one bite at a time, right? So, so extending that hour out, et cetera, et cetera, is that's a bite, right? It's still a step. It's every glass of wine you choose not to have is still a glass of wine that you choose not to have. And yeah. that's still great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Extending it out. And you mentioned something too, about this idea of going to Paris and having that seeing that fountain of wine that you won't be able to have is I think that it's also important to know that it's not, it's not like your, uh, you know, this isn't your like uncle's AA and no offense to uncles or AA. Um, this is not what we're talking about here. Uh, it's really more about, um, you know, we're not counting days and we're not, you know, we're not looking at, looking at it in that spectrum. So there's this idea of this gray, this gray area, it's called the gray area spectrum of drinking. And on one end, you have like a person who drinks a couple of glasses of wine a, a year. And on the other side, you have um, somebody who drinks when they wake up in the morning, they go on a bender until they pass out a few days later. And then you have, and that's about 6% of the population in the, of the United States. I'm not sure in the world. And then you have everybody in between. And that's what makes up about 85% of people who drink and so what's happening is is that those people are getting lost because they're like you know this has become such a habit in my life 
I, that it's hard to break. And people think that it's easier to change their diet than break their drinking habit. Now, what do you think? I mean, it actually is equally as hard when it becomes super ingrained in our lives. I don't know about you, but I've tried to just eat green, uh, for years and haven't been successful in it, right? So it's because it's still such a habit and the foods that we choose, same with alcohol, such a habit. And so people are like, where do I go? Cause I don't fit into counting days. And then, you know, and then, and then the other thing is, is that they always say, well, if I'm on this journey of not drinking then I can't have that glass of wine in Paris when they don't have the trip scheduled. It's not even actually like in their, you know, in their radar, right? So maybe when they retire one day and then that keeps them stuck or their uncle's aunt's sister's wedding is in a week, right? And they, they're like, well, I can't go to that without drinking. No one wants to quit drinking like forever. Like no one, even the people who are, you know, originally quit drinking, like they, you know, they didn't want to quit drinking forever. And so it's not about forever. It's really recognizing like now I don't want to drink because it's not part of my identity. I am no longer somebody who drinks. So it's like, doesn't come up in my life. Um, um, so yeah. So really just kind of looking at, um, recognizing that you don't have to look at forever. You're not counting days. It's really about being curious. What else? Always asking yourself, what else is there? What else can I do? And, uh, and yeah, and yeah, not and noticing when you're telling yourself those stories. Mm-hmm. So, so good. And, and for those of you out there who are listening and you maybe are a little bit sober, curious, but you're not quite ready to like have a glass, take away a glass yet. I would really invite you to just be really observant about how pervasive mommy wine culture is. I, if you keep a tally on your phone, if you keep a notebook, if you just keep a mental log of how many times in a day you see it referenced that moms need not want mothers need alcohol to survive motherhood. I want you just to notice that not to judge it, not to make it wrong, not to make those women bad, not to make mommy wine culture bad, but to get observant about that. Um, Because I think actually I won't tell you what you'll find. You can find out whatever you want to find. You can find out whatever you find out. But if you really look critically, look through a critical lens, at the way that we are sold to as women and as mothers, the way that we're marketed to, the way that big alcohol companies with tons of money and big alcohol budgets have to convince us that that's what we need to survive. Just look at that and then ask yourself the question, is that the kind of mother that I want to be? Is that the kind of stepmom that I want to be? So that's an activity after that, after I I quit or stopped drinking, I really noticed all of the alcohol messages and all of the alcohol marketing messages. And it's, it's the budgets. I'm going off on a totally different tangent, but big corporations, big alcohol corporations who advertise spend a lot of money convincing women that they need alcohol. And we don't, little old me, little old you, we don't stand a chance when it comes to trying to trick our brains out of what marketing is doing to our brains. I know a bunch of people were talking about the social dilemma, the, the Netflix show, The Social Dilemma. Alcohol companies do that to you also. So be aware of it. I'm not saying you have to make any choices, but just be aware of it. Right. I really, really invite you to be aware of it because I love you, not because I'm judging you. 
That's interesting. Yeah. In the, in the eighties, nineties, um, the alcohol companies recognized that there was a large portion of the population that, um, they, they weren't marketing to, and that portion of the population was women. And that's when they call it the alcohol pop, like Zima and like wine coolers and stuff. That's when they started creating those. And then it just took off from there. Uh, now women are outpacing men in, um, in drinking and well, that's not necessarily true. Some of the studies are showing that, but basically they're drinking more than they ever have. And the other thing is, is that women's bodies are affected differently than men. So we're seeing more adverse effects, long-term adverse effects, um, more quickly than in a man, just because unfortunately, <laughs> um, our bodies don't process alcohol the same way that men's do. We don't have the, the high enough enzyme that breaks it down if we're getting technical. Uh, and so um, they're noticing fatty liver disease and um, cirrhosis of the liver happening more quickly in women. So there is, you know, biologically a difference in the way that we uh, consume alcohol and it has to do with the amount of um, water and fat that we have in our bodies as well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, alcohol industry is marketing towards us and it was similar when I recognized that back in the day when, you know, when I was trying to quit drinking soda and um, chips, you know, and then I re realized that they created the stuff in a lab right? Like created a chip in a lab and they, they have the perfect amount of sugar and salt and crunch to make you want to eat more. And when I recognized that that was also what the alcohol industry was doing, I was pissed. I was like, how am I going to show up to this fight with two hands tied behind my back? And so it felt like I was, you know, fighting against the current the whole time when I was like, you know what, I'm just going to get out of the river because um, I, you know, I don't have a chance between, you know, between what the marketing industry is saying and then how my body actually um, the habit of drinking as well, as well as the way that alcohol hits the reward center of our brain, giving us dopamine dumps. You know, I'm like, I'm going to just step away from this because, um, yeah, because, you know, it's just, it's not a fair fight. It's not a fair fight. Alcohol is probably one of, if not the most addictive substances on the planet, because like you said, of that dopamine dump, what it does to your brain, it makes you feel, that's where that <sighs> yeah. comes from, right? Yeah. And, and you can get those dopamine dumps from natural highs, like mm -hmm. listening to a kid's laughter or hugs from a partner. But the thing is, is that when we've had this artificial dump for so long, we don't recognize that we don't get it as much. We don't feel it as much. So you actually have to work on recognizing when you're, when you're feeling good in a natural high moment and waiting, like sitting with it. Right. So you get to get a hug and you feel so good in the hug. Wait, keep it like recognize that you're having that little dopamine feeling and then just let it last a little bit longer. Or when you just go walk out into a beautiful morning and you're like, Oh my God, it's so beautiful. Stay there. Don't rush away from it, you know, because you have to, re we have to, you know, recognize that we're naturally feeling those, those highs. And then, um, and then when you remove your vice, then what you can do again is, is, you know, is, is realize that you naturally produce that and that you can produce it anytime that you want changing that state, right. From the red state to the green state is that's the sense of that dopamine. 
I love that. And really the examples that you're giving, staying in the hug, looking at the beautiful outside, really what you're doing is you are practicing being present. You're practicing being present in, in all of the beauty and all of the tiny little moments that we don't realize make up our life. And, and that's something to be grateful for. Our life is something to be grateful for. And if things suck, if things are shitty, then it's okay to take steps to make them not shitty anymore instead of trying to cover them up because you deserve to be happy. You deserve to live a life that you don't feel like you need to escape from. It's so, and I know it's so hard. I know firsthand how hard it is. And like you said, it's not part of your identity anymore that you're somebody who drinks. That's why it's, it's so hard because alcohol becomes part of our identity. And that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. <laughs> Girls in the stepmom story, you know what I'm talking about, but this has been a very incredible conversation. I really appreciate it, Camille. Um, if our listeners actually... Do you have anything left to say? Do you have anything that you want to say to our listeners? Anything you want to invite them to consider? Any lenses you would encourage them to try on, et cetera? cetera? So what I would like to say is that the world needs us. We need, the world needs women in fully in their power and in their clarity and um, in courageous and bold. And so I'm just want to invite you to go on the path of being as courageous as you possibly can. There are other women who are holding you in that and rooting for you. And so, yeah, I just, I just really want to say that we need more women in their power and clarity. Mm, so good. Absolutely. 100%. I have goosebumps spreading through my body. I'm, I'm such a, I'm so, I'm just rooting over here. I'm cheering. I've got, I've got my pom-poms going. Um, I do want to extend the invitation. I know that I've had plenty of conversations with women who are sober curious. My DM inbox uh, at the step queen on Instagram is always wide open for anyone who is sober curious and, and is feeling a little bit hesitant about it. Um, I'm always open to have that conversation. Camille, also, if our listeners wanted to kind of poke around your your content and see what you offer, where's the best place to find you if they wanted to send you a DM or a message or chat with you? Where can we find you? Oh, that would be awesome. Uh, so Think Beyond the Drink is my Instagram handle. It's also my website. Uh, yeah, and really there's a link on the website where it's a seven day jump start, and it's really more about an attention experiment. I really want people to just be able to pay attention to where alcohol is showing up in their life without actually having to do anything. That's the only thing that's required is that you're willing to be curious enough to just see how it's popping up in your life. And, uh, yeah, and it's not about sobriety. It's living a life that you don't want to numb. Mm-hmm. So good. I'll make sure to link all of that up in the show notes for you listeners. Um, It's been a real pleasure, Camille. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you so much for the way that you show up to serve women. It is so needed. It is so important. This burns a fire in my soul because it breaks my heart that women feel like that is their only option because I've been on the other side. You guys, the water's warm over here. It feels so good. I haven't been hungover in so long nothing feels better than waking up on a Sunday morning feeling like a billion bucks baby so 
Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you for the way that you serve us. Thank you for being here today and sharing your message. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. I'll see you back here next week. Same place, same time. Thanks, Camille. I hope this episode got your wheels turning and showed you just how powerful you are. I would invite you to take 30 seconds and tap subscribe to this podcast. When you subscribe to the podcast, then rest assured you will never miss an episode. And in no time, spinning your wheels will be a thing of the past. Thank you for listening and subscribing. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to me if after you subscribed, you jumped on over and left me a five-star review and better yet, a written review. I am on a mission to let every mom and stepmom know that you can create the life of your dreams. And I need your help to change the world. The world needs us. Thank you so much for subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. I will see you next week. For more behind-the-scenes action and to get really up close and personal with me and our beautiful step family, jump on over to Instagram and follow me at The Step Queen. Don't be shy. Send me a DM. Tag me in your posts. Tag me in your stories. Let me know what you're up to and what about the podcast has been blowing your mind. I cannot wait to get to know you better and Instagram is my jam. I love you so much. I love you so much. Make it rain, girlfriend.